Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm excited today to welcome Julie Heitman. She's an experienced registered nurse and quality and data services director at Motion. Julie, thanks for being with us today. Oh, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much. Can't wait to get started. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about your career path from registered nurse to informaticist. How did you end up doing what you're doing now at Motion? Well, I would say um, my career started like any you know nurse coming out of school. I was on a in a med surge floor, and then I really got that you know love of critical care and wanted to be able to take care of patients really in those the critical needs and worked in the ICUs, adult care ICUs, and um, what I really picked up quickly was just. Whatever opportunity is in front of you, take it. Whatever patient is in front of you, take it. Even though you may not be the most comfortable or most experienced about it, <laughs> um, it is going to, again, make you more prepared for the next thing. And that was really true um, as far as the bedside went. And then I kind of transferred. I love the bedside so much and, and the critical care. I wanted, again, to teach it and share my collective knowledge from all the great mentors I've had. So I went back to school, got my master's in nursing and in education, and then um, went to the nursing schools for a little bit to teach, but the hospital just kept pulling me back. Like, like I was pulled to it because I, I just love patients, um, patient care, and, and seeing how we can work together as a team. And then 
I kind of got the quality bug about five years ago. Um, I was just in an opera place where I had an opportunity <laughs> to kind of find out more about how we're taking care of these stroke patients or sepsis patients in our hospital. And that really kind of led me to that quality mind process improvement. Um, and so again, just taking those opportunities, making the best out of them, learning, uh, not afraid to fail. Um, and get right back up. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. So when you move into this healthcare quality, is there's a program then that you take that you, it's kind of, it's a master's or? Right. Well, mm -hmm. I knew that going into quality, that is something that is not necessarily taught in um, nursing school or yeah. even as a bedside nurse. Quality means a lot of different things to different people. Mm. But what really is the push for me was um, I want to know the foundation of it so that I can not only apply it to my work, but then bring in bring in the other staff nurses and, and directors to understand this is this is what we want to do. And value-based care, um, again, has pushed that so much further along that everything we do is, you know, monitored and, and there's a metric to it and there's reimbursement tied to it. But now it's really trying to get the staff to understand it's more than just that money reimbursement. It's to make that patient's outcome the best it can be. Yeah, it's truly the best thing for patient safety and quality of healthcare to have that financial incentive now also tied into just the moral incentive of keeping people alive and doing your job right. You know, it's fantastic. There, it, it is. It is. I mean, I think it's instead of um, volume-based, it's value-based and that mm. it has meant, the, I think, a world to our system and it's, you know, kind of uncovered some it's made us look at some of the not so great parts of, of medical care that how can we look at that and again, put solutions to that. And then with my master's degree, well, it's a post-master's degree from the George Washington University. I was so like, I want to be challenged by the best and I want to see if I can handle it. And um, I'm hoping to go back and either get, you know, finish the master's or again, um, maybe even do a doctorate in nursing uh, program there, but it was just amazing experience and yeah, it's really tools. interesting how you, you're kind of saying that data quality is like a mirror for healthcare. It's yes. literally having forcing them to look themselves in the mirror <laughs> and what are we doing right? What do we need to do better to close care gaps? It's so true. And that mirror is sometimes hard to look at. It is hard. And some people don't want to look in the mirror. And it's, I always feel like sometimes a quality department gets a bad rap because we're always maybe shaking our finger or, you know, shaking our heads. And and I really, I've never have felt that way when, I, when I've looked at a process or looked at a, a patient situation and bringing it forward. It's like, mm -hmm. tell me your perspective. What was going on at this point? time, you know, in your head, or what were you thinking and bringing everyone to the table and understanding the bigger picture, and then finding those aha moments, those pauses where like, okay, maybe I, I, X, Y, and we should have done this, or I should have communicated this better. Then you take that life experience and you do better for the next patient. And that's what, that's what really I see quality as. Yeah. Truly. And you see that impact too of quality data, I'm sure. So what were some of your biggest challenges then um, as a practicing nurse? I'm sure maybe some of them had to do with quality. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, but yeah, just interested to learn what, you know, what challenges you were facing in the, that nurse position. So I feel like as a nurse, um, time was something mm, that was always, and I never had enough time to spend with my patient. Never, um, you know, there's, just so many um, 
I think things that happen during the shift that you're okay, I can, I can do a little bit of this and it's okay if I kind of, you know, maybe not hundred percent there but when you're in front of your patient and, and taking care of them, it's just, you don't have enough time to do that. Yeah. And I think that was one of the challenges. Um, it continues to be one of the challenges that I see at the bedside. Um, and, and then nurses get, again, they want into nursing to care for people. We're, we're really our big hearted people and we want to care. Typically that, that was our motivation, um, not so much any like financial. And so when we can't do that to our best, it really starts to affect us. Yeah. So it will lead to burnout, I'm sure, because you're yeah. saying this is what I need to do. I need time to do my job well. I don't have a lot of time, so I need to have the best resources at hand yes. or else. And so do you feel like this new role you're in is helping these nurses, your friends, your colleagues get more time? Right, I do. And I think that's what was such an easy jump for me to yeah. go from the hospital setting and being that even though I was in quality, I was wearing scrubs and I was at the bedside. That's wow. how I best learned. But jumping in over into motion, it was like I we are working on a product that one is going to take away um but we're going to take that administrative work off of these nurses, mm -hmm. especially during times of, you know, surges like COVID or when beds are just short that, um, that happens, you know, yearly during this kind of time of year when flu and pneumonia spike up. But I, uh, it was an opportunity for me to still support nursing and yet mm -hmm. give them time back. And maybe it's time back for a break or it's time back to be with their patients, but we're taking that on. And then from that, again, they can feel comfortable that they have someone working for them. Yeah. Nurse, I mean, nurses are taught to, to delegate out. This is just another, hey, delegate this out and we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna take care of your patient um, and, and do what's best for them. And again, if that's making 30, 40, 50 calls to try to find a bed placement or to try to find, uh, again, uh, transport. That's what we're going to do. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, you're kind of talking quite a bit about these patient transfer needs that was kind of resting on the nurse before and, and now, you know, maybe is is it changing. Um, how is this affecting our frontline heroes? You know, these patient yeah. transfer needs, what are the needs when it comes to patient transfers? And are they mm -hmm. always emergency? Or are they sometimes just, you know, post-acute care or other things? You know, what, what you know, what should we know about that? Sure. So interhospital transfers um, is something that has gone on for years, and it's been one of those that's been really understudied really until probably the last couple of years. Um, and I'm starting to see more literature about, you know, what are some best practices about that? Interhospital transfers are either, again, um, someone comes into the hospital, into the ER, and they don't have the resources there in their hospital to care for oh, that patient. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that patient needs to go ahead and just transfer to a higher level of care. Or you are in a hospital inpatient and let's say, again, you become more critical and again, you out um, source the resources around you, you need a higher level of care. So many of those are unplanned. It's not like we, you know, gosh, I'm going to get sicker on 2 p.m. <laughs> the next day. So have EMS available for me. So it's very unplanned. And so it's taking... Um, it takes them, it takes nurses, again, you kind of have to stop in your routine of what you're typically used to. And there's lots of paperwork. There's uh, Intala. It's, it's a law, again. So we have to have very specific communication between doctor and doctor, nurse to nurse. So a lot of very important check marks, but yet 
keeping this patient who's potentially becoming more critically ill <laughs> safe during this transfer process. And sometimes when transfers get delayed, again, that's um, the sending hospitals like, hey, where, where's my patient at? <laughs> and, oh my goodness. And, or the receiving, I'm sorry, the receiving hospital. Yes, like, where's my patient? Hospital. And then mm-hmm. sending patient, maybe it's like, you know, we had to do X, Y, and Z to get them um, more stable. And then EMS is like, hey, we're just waiting for the patient. So there's just a lot going on, which seems like maybe um, during those times. And it, I would say majority of the time it seems, um, like they go pretty smoothly, but there are times, you know, more and more when we have these just critical patients that we really need to, again, um, pay attention to where they're at in, in their illness trajectory and how they're going to uh, progress or how they're going to be on the road when they're transferring to that receiving hospital. Yes. And I'm sure like interoperability and just the ability to get that information quickly to whatever receiving hospital is very important. Um, Do you find that, um, you know, data quality and interoperability are are a help or a hindrance? (laughs) Well, I think um, my end end answer always will be help because I think data and interoperability is just something that we, we have to embrace. Um, and, and work through. Now, it's how is the data presented to you? If it's mm-hmm. a bunch of numbers and Excel sheets, it's, again, <laughs> it's hard to work through. And again, as a nurse or a nurse leader, we weren't we weren't taught those, you know, specific things. But with motion, um, we not only, you know, take the workload off of the nurse, so we're going to help them find the bed or find EMS, but then we take all that data um, that they put in about the transfer and then aggregate it out so they can really understand their inter-hospital transfers, where they're going, what patients are leaving, um, are they going by air, are they going by ground, and really talk about, you know, sustainability for especially rural healthcare, just being able to understand the resources that they're using, the resources that aren't there. Um, that really is something that data from motion has kind of just pulls all that together for a hospital, individual hospital to look at. Yeah, very interesting. Um, And do you feel like, uh, so how the data is viewed is very important in addition to the quality of the data that's viewed? Yes. So, you know, we look at um, the data, you know, sharing it with, you kind of need to find a champion um, who really likes the data. And sometimes that's in your quality department. Other times, you know, a lot of patients who are transferred are coming out of the emergency department. So ED um, directors there are very like, oh gosh, you know, very engaged into what data is in front of them and really start to look at that from, you know, how, how long does it take to get, you know, like stroke patient out of the ER or a, um, person with a heart attack and understanding are we moving this quickly enough and it's the data that it's updated every two hours it's just such a great snapshot and pulse to it that they can look at that and then again use it for their own internal metrics improve patient care yeah truly what do you see as the future um, of health it specifically for nursing and data quality Um, how is tech going to play a role here in in really improving outcomes patient outcomes and closing care gaps for (laughs) at-risk patients yes i you know in my own personal opinion when i jump from hospital setting to now this this tech and software um i was just so blown away by how maybe 
archaic some of the tools are that we're using in the hospital setting. And why? Because we've always done it that way. Yeah. You know? And so um, obviously there's, you know, financial pieces involved too, but still, you know, we use a fax machine and can we get away from the fax machine to again, make more processes more efficient? I mean, that's just one example. Jumping into motion, I was just like a whole new world of what can be, um, what nurses can have at their fingertips. I feel like motion mission control is a very like lightweight software we can just you know it's web-based and it takes no time to get us uh, to get the nurse up and running versus like an ehr implementation or you know some of the heavier stuff and there's technologies like these out there that um again just need to be embraced yeah and and really reviewed and i feel like um i read an article the other day and i really kind of it made me happy to see like IT is no longer your like computer <laughs> um, resource. Like we're all familiar with computers now. We can at least, you know, troubleshoot. Now it's getting to very like specifics. Like I'm going to again have an IT person that is just over maybe the emergency department or the ICU and they understand all the uniqueness of that and then can bring it to the, you know, the bigger group to say, these are the pain points. Let's solve them. And that was really encouraging to me. Um, IT's departments I've worked with um, over the years have been amazing, but I feel like this is just the, this is how they're progressing in that career in informatics. It's just bringing this technology to, to the bedside. Wow. And do you think it'll be straight to your phone too at some point in addition to the... <laughs> I do. <laughs> yes, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, just taking it, you know, technology, it's, it's, it's yeah. a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, it'll, I feel like nurses, um, even in the smaller hospitals I've been around, I mean, everyone's using a smartphone to communicate. Um, it's not their personal one necessarily, but it's hospital provided and mm -hmm. in those, their security on that. So, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> So the Hit Like a Girl podcast loves to really get to know what drives women in healthcare. Um, and I'm interested to hear, you know, a little bit about the work that you've been most proud of in your career so far. Oh, gosh. You know, um, I feel what, again, puts a smile on my face and kind of the gleam in my eye is when we um, take a project, you know, let's just say, say stroke care. And we, we see that maybe we're not where we need to be from a, a state or national benchmark. And then really involving the whole healthcare team that touches that patient. So is it, you know, again, EMS, it's hospital, it's radiology, it's again, receiving hospitals, it's neurologists there that are like, hey, this is what you can do. And we all come together hmm. and we learn from each other and we put together, again, processes to help that patient. Because we know stroke, um, again, can be very devastating, not only from like mortality, but again, morbidity, um, patients not being able to return back to their home. So it's just a devastating thing to have happen. So putting that together and then having that stroke patient come in and seeing everyone like work like clockwork. I mean, I get goosebumps right now. I mean, it was, it's just amazing. Egos are nowhere to be found. We're all yeah. centered and focused. I know it's funny because you always hear of the like care circle, you know, this is the care circle or this is the care <laughs> triangle, but it's almost like the care spider web because of how much everybody, you know, it's all intricately intertwined yeah. and working together perfectly to make sure that it's holding the best yeah. it can and holding that patient. 
It's it, really it, neat. It is. Yeah. No, I never looked at it that, but definitely a spider web. I mean, from a sending hospital perspective, we're, you know, sending a patient sometimes an hour, two hours, four hours away. Wow. So we need to have that relationship with that facility or with that neurologist. Mm-hmm. So not only, um, so they can give us feedback. So it doesn't, you know, like, Hey, great job, but here's what we can do different next time. And so it's not, it feels defensive or anything, but that's what I think I'm, most proud in in projects and um, even something like this, you know, in our software, we see missions come up and I know behind those missions are, is a nurse, is a family, Mm -hmm. is a patient. Mm -hmm. And then we still bring, we're bringing people together. We're again, they're part of that, that web, if you will, they're mission control operators are making those phone calls to again, try to help. And everyone's working together for the good. So Mm -hmm. not always do we get the best um, result that we want, but we want to bring that equity um, out to, again, especially rural areas and try to close that disparity um, gap between rural and and urban hospitals. I just saw a Commonwealth report talking about equity and obviously didn't come out so great. And and it really inspires me when people like innovators like you and others in the company you're working with and the partners that you're working with and the customers you're working with are actually really trying hard to improve that equity. Um, Do you find that there is a huge disparity in rural areas versus others? Yes, unfortunately. Um, I feel like I, you know, I'm in Kansas, so that's kind of where I, I'm out of. I feel like I know the landscape well, and there is disparities, and it's so hard to uh, fathom that in this day and age that if someone has a heart attack in rural Kansas, there may they may not get to help before they they, they die. You know, uh, where yeah, you know, they're they're maybe two hours away from healthcare. So um this i just feel like that's what we're giving patients all like during especially during this covid all the chance you know we're working full-time for you 24 7 to get beds and resources to you to the patient and so i do feel like it brings equity to the rural areas um there's a lot of work going around with again getting uh, internet out into rural areas there's been some huge funding from the federal government um which is amazing just to get that out there. And so telehealth and those types of, you know, preventative our population health can continue to, again, become more equitable in yes. rural areas. And, mm-hmm. and just being around, um, you know, I know Kansas is not the only rural area, lived in the other rural areas. And we see the same kind of statistics coming from there. You know, if you're on the West Coast, East Coast, Midwest. So um, I think it's very applicable to other states and, and what we can bring value to the rural areas. Very interesting. So on a personal note, yes. uh, you know, obviously been through so much, you know, we've been a nurse on the front lines. Uh, you're now, you know, kind of transitioned into informatics. What are some things that you do to help overcome challenges in your life? Just on a very personal note for some of the women in HIT that are, you know, facing some hard times or challenging times, you know, what are things that you do to help overcome some of those challenges? Oh, yes. Um, I, great question. <laughs> and I feel like for me, um, really having a, a few very solid colleagues, friends, and, and they're going to be nurse friends, not going to lie there. <laughs> That's who we, we tend to, tend to um, 
stick together. You guys Thank stick you. together. Yes, we stick together. Sisters, brothers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but just very like strong women in healthcare and just being able to rely on them and to be vulnerable um, mm-hmm. with them and to be able to cry and cuss. Mm-hmm. you know and just talk about what really um is is some of the challenges and once you start to lay those out uh, i think with a group again of women that are that are on the same page with you we start to offer each other solutions or again options to think about that you know in our own little heads we we, we just didn't think about and it gives us a chance to not only vent, but maybe be productive and <laughs> take that with us, take their strength. Mm-hmm. And we go to work the next day, like, okay, this is, this is what I we're love do. that concept of borrowed strength. And it <laughs> seems to me like when you're on the front lines and you're going through a hard time and you're trying to overcome challenges, sometimes you'd need to borrow that strength. And then mm-hmm. you are open to then lending that strength when somebody else needs it. And it's yes. nice to have that community. It is. And I think it's so like just it's incredibly important for women in healthcare to have that no matter where if you're at the bedside or again, you know, to informatics or wherever, just to be able to have that is um, is quite is quite special. And again, it's something that I need <laughs> um, in my life. So to be successful. Mm-hmm. Do you find that now that you've transitioned into informatics that your new team and your new colleagues are kind of forming a new alliance of sorts? <laughs> you still have your old, you know, nursing friends, but you're still involved both ways. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. Definitely have. I mean, they're just as curious too of what, yeah. you know, what we're doing and what's next and what's coming up. And, and right. I work with our, our company small and our, our product team, you know, is mainly male and they're all, you know, very software oriented and, I'm very patient oriented, but we come together. It's fun to come together and have those differences and, and just kind of be able to share that, um, you know, they're, they're there for the patient too. It just may not seem like it because they're encoding, you know? Yes, exactly. So. You all have the same mission, but you all bring a different perspective. And you having been on a patient's bedside in the ICU, see what you're doing from different eyes, which right. fuels their mission side of who they are, whether right. they know it or not, you know? It does. And just, I can see them when we interact with customers, um, and that's probably one of, you know, again, one of my favorites. I get to meet so many uh, strong nurse leaders yes. um, mm-hmm. within my my responsibilities is to reach out and just the dialogue that we've had and and to share some of that, um, the loss that we've had during COVID and mm-hmm. to... And then celebrate some of the wins that we got. You know, we got mm-hmm. this patient out and they did wonderful. And, and so... I feel like that's that's kind of a community of itself. There's, I just can't iterate enough um, how nursing has grit and the grit I've seen. And I know it's not only in Kansas, but again, um, being at that bedside is. I'm just I'm I'm inspired by them every day. So yeah, yeah. Do you have any words of encouragement for the women who are nurses um, that you know you'd like to give, or advice, or you know anything that you'd like to say to the community that you feel like uh, just would be beneficial for them to know, based on some of your experiences that you had? Oh gosh, <laughs> I would. I feel like we need another hour, but yeah. but I would say one, you know, just again, know how much you're valued. Mm-hmm. Um, 
have that self-worth and continue to, you know, find your joy. And <laughs> if you're just holding on because you're sobered out from work, but there's one thing in that job that you love or one, yeah, one thing that you love, just hold on to it and just keep developing or keep keep at that. Let that be your focus. Let that be your light. Um, so many of us, there's so much heavy, dark stuff that we just need to, again, ignore if we can and just pay attention to what um, that is or what you bring to those patients. Mm -hmm. um, again, you're bringing hope to those patients. And um, I can't say that enough. And in the end, I'm, I'm very just be yourself. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's very encouraging and insightful. And I think that, you know, everyone in this community is, would, will really appreciate that sentiment to just keep on keeping on. You got this. Girl. I, know, I know. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's sometimes there's just not a choice either. You got to keep on keeping on. But if you can find that, that peace and whatever that is, again, just like I said, let that lead you. And for me, it's, it's led me into emotion. It's led me to a place that, um, I would never, you know, 20 years ago, if you could tell me I would be doing this, I would just kind of shake my head. So. Yeah, as a registered nurse, you're like, yeah. I'm going to be nursing the rest of my, being a nurse the rest of my life. And now yeah. you're an oh. informaticist and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Um, all right. Yeah. A no, data quality is. expert, you know, yeah. wow. Hey. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. Just take those opportunities and, mm -hmm. and, and, with them. So I'm sure that's a light at the end of the tunnel for a lot of nurses that are going through what they've been going through the past few years too, that there is one of them that is working on the other end to try to help fix some stuff and give them some more time back, you know, and, yeah. and make things easier for them. And to there's someone on their side, on the other side. <laughs> we definitely, it definitely feels like, um, I think one of the big things in, in my career is, you know, always been like supportive, supportive of a staff. And I still feel like this huge, like I'm still in that supportive role and um, in this in this position and just being able to, again, cheer them along, <laughs> like, hey, you guys are doing great. Or, um, and then I get to show them the data, like, oh, my gosh, look how busy you were. <laughs> look how sick these patients were. Like, please, you know, take give yourself a pat on the back for what you've all done. And and uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been great. I, I'm just excited to see where, where motion goes, where the future takes me. So that's fantastic. So to finish off this conversation, right. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? Oh gosh. Well, um, I am on LinkedIn, um, Julie Heitman and it's J U L I no E and then Heitman. Um, I also, um, you can find me on my email, J Heitman at motion, M O T I E N T dot I O those are two places where you can find me that's terrific and before i forget did you happen to bring any tea with you today mm, I did bring some tea with me today uh -huh. <laughs> oh, i love it and the sentiment is so yes. new can you read it out to us yes it says find your joy and let it run your life and this mug has stuck with me and when i'm not feeling so joyful um i look at that and i'm like okay here we go. Patient outcomes. Here we go. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, thank you for inspiring us with your joy today, Julie. You uh, truly are an inspiration and I wish you all the best of luck. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much.
And thanks, thank you for listening, folks. This has been Hit Like a Girl podcast. Check us out on our website and YouTube page for more great interviews with folks just like Julie. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> awesome. Let me redo the ending. One second. And thank you for joining us, folks. Check out the Hit Like a Girl podcast and YouTube page for more great guests just like Julie. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you. Hit Like a Girl podcast is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission-driven, which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.